Then Jesus' mother and brothers arrived. Standing outside, they'd sent someone in to call him. A crowd was sitting around him and they told him, Your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. Who are my mother and brothers? He asked. Then he looked at those seated in a circle around him and said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. This is the word of the Lord. If you have got your Bible open, Mark chapter 3, encourage you to keep it there uh, as we look at this together. But let's um, pray. Father, we thank you for um, this season of Lent where we have an opportunity to pause and reflect on the things that are uh, important to you and therefore important to us. And we pray that as we do so uh, this morning that you would uh, be with us, encourage us and challenge us. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, last week, uh, John introduced uh, the Lent course from the Diocese of Chichester being about our life's work. Uh, John and I have been reflecting a little bit on that this week, uh, and we've decided to completely abandon it, Um, mainly because we just feel that it wasn't really, as good as the Lent course is, it's it's well written, well put together, particularly would be good in a small group context, but we just felt it wasn't really reflecting where we we are as a church today where we are as a benefice, where God's calling us, where God's taking us. And it's not to say it's irrelevant and it it is a good course and we may do it at some point in the future. But for now we wanted to just slightly shift the focus. But we we were keen to to maybe try to keep where possible the same readings um, and to just slightly shift the focus. And uh, as we were uh, reflecting on uh, this particular passage, as I was reflecting on this particular passage, not by any means the easiest passage in the Bible, and uh, Steve, when he, uh, before the service came up to me, said, you mean this one, yes? This is the one you want. And uh, I said, yeah, that's the one we want. I want us to think this morning about contending. And the reason I want us to think about this is last weekend, Linz was on a, a weekend conference for uh, people who are married to clergy, uh, and she came back and shared what she'd been looking at, and they'd been looking at this theme of contending, and I thought, actually, do you know, that's a really good thing for us to look at in Lent. So to understand what we mean by contending, what I'm really talking about is those things in our lives that we need to make an effort to fight for, that we need to be prepared to, to make a priority in our lives, to be intentional about. There are so many things in our lives that I think we expect to just happen, that we think certain things will just happen. Let's say, for example, you said you want to spend more time with God. You might say, well, I'll spend more time with God when I've got a bit more time to spend with God. But that time won't come unless you make it, (laughs) unless you intentionally put that time in. It won't just happen around you. It's not going to happen by accident. Yes, God is with you all the time. You're always in his presence. There'll be times when he surprises you. But unless you're intentionally making the decision to contend for that time, to fight for that time, it won't happen. 
Think of any marriage. You can't expect a marriage to work if you're just basically being around each other and expecting relationship to just happen. Relationship doesn't happen by accident. You have to be intentional about making time for the other, about spending time with one another, about making that relationship a priority in your diary, in your time. Uh, Date nights don't happen by accident. They happen if you put them in the diary and make them happen. And so these kind of things that we expect to just happen, I think Lent is a perfect opportunity for us to stop and to think, but am I making them happen? Am I being intentional? Am I fighting for these things to happen in my life? Because there are so many things that are contending for you. There are so many things that are fighting and vying for your attention, for your time, for your focus, for your vision, for your life, for your purpose. There are so many things that want you in this world. So many voices fighting for your attention, your own, the enemies, uh, the, the worlds, and thankfully one of them is God's, uh, which we're very glad for that, that God is one of, the, one of the ones fighting for our attention, vying for our attention. But the question is, what are we making a priority in our life? What are we focusing on? What are we prioritizing in our weekly uh, diary, in our lives, in the time that we think? And last week, uh, John really highlighted, I, I don't know whether by, on purpose or by mistake, but highlighted the need for rest that we have, to make rest a priority. It's something we've spoken about quite a lot here before, and clearly it still needs to be spoken. Rest needs to be a priority. Rest in God, rest in his presence, uh, and make that high up in your call. But the thing we're looking at this morning, and the thing we're going to be talking about contending for today, is one of those things that in and of itself isn't the most important thing in the world, but it's very important because it helps us with the most important thing in the world. I hope that's going to become clear in a minute. Because obviously the most important thing for us to contend with, which I hope goes without saying, is Jesus, is our relationship with Jesus, is, is the time that we spend with him, how we develop and grow our relationship with the person of Jesus. If we don't know him, it's about how we contend to come to know him. If we do know him, it's how we get to know him better. If we know him well, it's how we prioritize spending time with him, making him the number one priority in our lives above and beyond anything else. So we're going to look today about one of the things that we should be contending for because it helps us to contend for the main thing, and that is our relationships. The importance of the relationships we have around us, the importance of the people we invest in and the people we allow to invest in us. And so we turn to this passage in Mark chapter 3. Now, I don't know whether this is a passage that is well known to you. And I don't know if this is one of those passages where, like me, you've read it and you thought, hang on, Jesus, that seems a little bit harsh. That Jesus has stood with a group of disciples who who only moments before, really, he's called to follow him. He's only really just kind of met them and got to know them. Obviously, Jesus has known them from the beginning, but that's, you know, humanly speaking. He's only just gathered them around him. They've just begun to follow him. He's already gathered a massive crowd around him, huge numbers of people gathering around him. And then his family are outside, stood at the door, and they send someone in to go and get Jesus. And then Jesus responds, with this who are my mother and my brothers and then he looked at those seated in the circle around him and said here are my mother and my brothers whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother and on the face of it 
it looks like he's completely neglecting his earthly family. So outside this room is Mary, the woman who gave birth to him. His brothers and sisters, he wasn't an only child. He had uh, Mary and Joseph went on to have other children. His actual earthly brothers and sisters are outside of this room, wherever he sat at the time, and he doesn't want to go and see them. He doesn't want to go out. And I've, when I read that, I thought, Jesus, that seems really harsh. How is that honoring your mother and father? How is that, uh, you know, honoring your family? Have you completely neglected your earthly family for the sake of your disciples and for the sake of what you're doing? And in a sense, there's two things going on here. One of them is a spiritual thing. So he is talking about the kingdom of God. Jesus is always talking about the kingdom of God. There is never a conversation that Jesus has with his disciples that isn't about the kingdom of God. Everything he talks about is the kingdom of God. Even if he doesn't refer to it directly, he's referring to the kingdom of God. In the most practical things and the most spiritual things, he's referring to the kingdom of God. His whole purpose was to point people to that kingdom, to show people that that kingdom had come on earth in his, in his person. And so whenever Jesus is talking about anything, you have to try to look at it through kingdom eyes. And this passage is no different. He is saying, in one sense, the people around me, the people who have chosen to accept who I am, those people who have chosen to say yes to me, are adopted into the family of God through what I'm going to do on the cross. They become sons and daughters of God, brothers and sisters of Christ, co-heirs of the kingdom, and they are adopted into the family. So in that sense, they are my spiritual family. In the kingdom of heaven, the the people around me are my family. They are my brothers and my sisters, and they are the ones who are for me and with me. One of the things I absolutely love about the church is you can go absolutely anywhere in the world and on a Sunday morning walk into a church and find family. How amazing is that? That wherever you are in the world, you can walk into a church on a Sunday morning and find family. It's an incredible thing that God's given us, this gift of the church, of being part of the the big family of God. That we are all part of that family. And it's an incredible dynamic that happens because of what Jesus has won for us on the cross, because of what he makes possible uh, through relationship with him. So in one sense, he is referring in these verses to that kingdom relationship. That these guys now are my brothers and my brothers and my sisters. These people who, uh, yeah, I know I've only just met them, but they are the ones who who really understand. And that's where the second thing comes in. Because I read this in preparation for this week, and I thought, God, I want to talk about contending for relationships, but this is a really hard passage from which to do it. It looks like Jesus is being really harsh. And so I decided to read around a little bit of the context and read the the chapters leading up to it. And I came across uh, verse 20 which I don't think I'd ever noticed before. Then he went home. The crowd came together again so that they could not even eat. When his family heard it, they went out to seize him because they thought he was out of his mind. What Jesus is doing on earth, the message he's preaching, the things he's proclaiming, is so countercultural that even his own flesh and blood don't get it. Now, I don't think they're being nasty or evil or manipulative here. They're trying to protect him, in inverted commas. But what it shows us is they just don't see who Jesus really is and what he's come to do. 
His very own family, his own flesh and blood want to seize him because they think he's out of his mind. Now that's incredible when you think about it. And thankfully, by the grace of God, as you read the Gospels, you realise his brothers do come to faith and Mary obviously comes to her own understanding of who Jesus is as well. And and there is a change, there is a shift that happens. But in this particular moment, what Jesus is doing is so countercultural, so kingdom-focused rather than earthly-focused that even his own family don't get it, don't understand. And Jesus is saying, "But, but the people around me in this room, they do. They get it. And so if we're thinking about contending for relationships... It may well be that you're sat here this morning and there are people in your life, the very people you expect to support you in life are not able to support you in your faith because they don't share it. Maybe even your own family. Maybe members of your family who have rejected you because you've chosen Jesus. Maybe members of the family who who accept you as you are, but just don't understand or comprehend what this whole Jesus thing is. As a vicar with two brothers who don't know Jesus, it's very hard for them to get their head around what I do. Very hard for them to get their head around what I do. They love me, they accept me, we're good friends, we get on well, but they they just don't understand this part of my life. And... What we need to realise when we're contending for relationships, when we're making relationships our priority, is that yes, we need to keep those people in our lives. We're not going to reject them uh, for the sake of Jesus, although Jesus talks later about him being the priority uh, in Matthew. We're not going to focus on that now. What we're going to focus on is this question, this question that Linz was asked last weekend, which I think is a very good question. And the question is this. Who's around your table? Who are the people in your life who encourage your faith with Jesus? Who are the people in your life who will challenge you when you need to be challenged? Who will stretch you when you need to be stretched? Who are the people who will have your back in the most difficult of circumstances? Here's a bigger question. Who are the people that know who the real you is and still accept you? Who are the people who aren't afraid of your vulnerability and your honesty? Who are the people who will gather around you in a crisis? I know she's shown it before, but I love that picture of Pauline and and the guys stood beside her, the the people who are a bit of a force to be reckoned with in the kingdom, I think, to be honest, because they are people who just are on a shared journey together, who have a shared heart for the people of South Sudan. And they are around each other's table, willing each other on. So even when Pauline's here in another country and can't physically be at the table, she knows she's got their backs and they've got hers. Who's around your table? Who are the people who support you in your faith more than anybody else? And for some of you, that may be your family. And if it is, praise Jesus. That's amazing. You've got a wonderful gift there. But for some of you, it may not be your family, so it will be friendships, it will be other relationships along your way, your spouse, hopefully, um, and uh, and maybe other people uh, who you have come to know along the way. And then the question becomes, if you look at Jesus and how much Jesus invested in the life of his disciples and how much he invested in those who are around the table with him, the question is, what are you doing this Lent to invest in the people around your table? 
What are you doing to make those relationships a priority? And if you're sat here this morning thinking, I don't think I've got anyone around my table, then what can you do to find people you can have around your table? And that may require vulnerability. It may require taking initiative with uh, making a call to somebody who you know you need around your table. It may be reconnecting with someone you've lost touch with, maybe even years ago, and seeing if you can pick up where you left off. But to ask the question this season, what am I doing to contend for those relationships that are going to help me to contend for the main relationship that is Jesus? And it may well be that you're sat here this morning and you've actually got a really good table around you. And you've got a lot of people around you. And the question could be this. Who needs you at their table? Who do you know in your life who's struggling in their faith right now, who needs you around their table? And maybe they don't have the strength or the know-how or the health to be able to ask you. So what can you do to offer yourself to them to be at their table, to make that move of compassion that moves from just thinking about them to being with them, that moves into into that action that comes with compassion? There's no doubt this passage is a really difficult one to grasp. But I think those two things are going on, that Jesus is talking about our heavenly relationship, our brothers and sisters in Christ, that, that is possible because of him, and it's an amazing thing. But there is also something massive going on. The people who should be supporting Jesus in this moment aren't doing it. And so he's investing in the ones that are. He doesn't neglect his family. He doesn't reject them. He doesn't give up on them. He still prays for them, I'm sure, and he's still walking with them. But he's focusing on the relationships he knows that are going to help him fulfill what he's here to do. So whatever relationships you need to invest in this Lent season, whatever relationships you need to contend for, we do so in the knowledge of this. Just think for a moment how much God contended to be in relationship with you. Think about what God did to fight for your relationship. And if you are struggling to keep that relationship, if you're struggling to accept that relationship, if you're struggling to walk in that relationship, then who is around your table to help you to do it? Who will lift your eyes up? Who will pray for you, support you, encourage you, challenge you, walk with you through the valley, whatever it may be? Who's around your table? Who are you contending for a relationship with this Lent? knowing that God has done everything to contend for you. Amen. One of the things I absolutely uh, love about worship is I don't know if you've ever had one of those Sundays where you walk in uh, and, and worship is the last thing you feel like doing. You actually just feel it's, it's a real struggle, either because you're exhausted, uh, you, you're just in a bad time. Uh, and there's, some, there's a real strength in worshipping together, in allowing our brothers and sisters around us to worship, almost on our behalf, as it were, to kind of lift us. Uh, and so we're going to 
sing uh, God I Look to You. Uh, and if you're here this morning and you just feel you can't do that, then just allow your brothers and sisters around you uh, to sing and to worship on your behalf. Um, because it's about really just us recognizing Jesus as who he is. So let's stand together, shall we?